Can I tase Richard? <laughs> Maybe. That, that, that's all she really wants to <laughs> as do. Long as we that's put really it on all video. I need. Hi there. Welcome to episode one of season one of the Risky Business Podcast. We hope this podcast will provide insight into some of today's more interesting topics as it pertains to risk management. My name is Kath Welpley. And I'm Richard Schusler. Thanks for joining us as we discuss today's topic of active shooter. We wanted to provide useful information with knowledgeable guests while keeping things light and entertaining. To help us with this discussion, we have Sergeant Sean McGuire with the St. Louis County Police Department. We'll turn it over to Sean to tell us a little bit about himself as we get into our two-part active shooting discussion. So I started uh, the academy in 2006. Uh, when I graduated the academy, that's six months long. I went to the Afton Southwest Precinct down in uh, kind of South County area of, of St. Louis County, and I was on the street for five years. After that, I was transferred into the uh, Tactical Operations Unit, which is the SWAT team for the St. Louis County. We're a full-time unit uh, with 18 guys. We serve search warrants. Um, we do barricaded subjects. Um, we, we train a lot of businesses and schools on this active shooter stuff that we're going to be talking about today. Um, we kind of wore a lot of many hats. You know, the president come in, comes in town and we, we do the, the, uh, the routes for him and, and protect him with the Secret Service. Um, so we're, uh, we're pretty busy as a unit here in St. Louis County when it comes to all those job duties. In 2014, uh, if everybody remembered, Ferguson happened. Um, I was on the SWAT team for the first part of Ferguson. And uh, Ferguson really opened up our chief's eyes on having a bigger media relations and, and public information staff. Um, and he, uh, he expanded that unit. At, at the time of Ferguson, there was only one public information officer in that unit that was responsible for media interviews, telephone interviews, radio interviews, um, checking the media to make sure they're accurate on the statements that they're putting out and also doing social media all in one person. He was working 22 hour days. So that was a pretty <laughs> bad a time for awesome. him. Yeah, so it, was, it, was, it was a little rough for him and he's, he's a personal friend of mine, but he actually called me and, and said uh, that they're gonna bring in another officer and if, if I'd be interested. And I, I thought about it and, and I asked a lot of questions and, and uh, I always thought the, the media relations role for a, the police department is really important. Because it, it really just gauges our interaction with the public and, and really puts out what our officers do on a daily basis. Uh, it's not just all about the officer-involved stuff or the negativity stuff. It's about what officers do positive on, on an everyday basis out there. So, um, so I went in there in 2014, right after the first part of Ferguson. So the second part of Ferguson, when the grand jury was released, I was in the media. So I got the best of both worlds when, <laughs> when it came to uh, Ferguson, which... I can't complain though, it was awesome experience. Um, and just because we were on the national spotlight and um, you learned, we learned a lot as a, as a department and I think we learned a lot as a region. And I think we were one of the first departments that actually went through something substantial like that. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it was a really good teaching lesson um, for really the community, the media, and the police department all together. So, um, so I've been in that unit since 2014. Um, I was promoted in April of 2016, so that's coming up on two years now. Uh, but I stayed in that office. I worked directly for Chief John Belmer, um, and I, I, everything you see in the media is what my office puts out. When it, everything you see on social media on our platforms comes through my office, um, and like I said, it's, it's a great job. Yeah. No, I, we see you on TV all the time, and I always point out, oh, I went to college with him, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to, to my family. So it's kind of cool to see 
see you interacting with the the, the media and the public. Yeah. And, uh, you always look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the trick to this. You always you always act like you know what you're doing. Everyone just thinks you know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's it's really a pleasure to work with local media. I know everyone has those those versions of the media. Although they're always out to get us or. You know, it's fake news and all that type of stuff. Really, our local media, we have good relationships with them. I was going to ask that. How do you feel like your relationship is with our local media? Do you think Excellent. they're fair? Yes. Do you think Excellent. Fair? Yeah. I, th I think every everyone understands and they, they really get to the bottom of something before the, the report actually comes out. Mm -hmm. um, the tough ones are the breaking news aspects when it comes gotcha. to an officer-involved shooting or an officer-involved incident. Um, those relationships are very important at that time because... A lot of rumor gets spread around right off the bat mm -hmm. in those cases, and we can't really have a conversation yet based on right. our detectives are still really trying to figure out at that point what happened mm -hmm. with the officer and whatever happened at, at that situation. So they understand that we need a little bit of time and we need yeah. detectives to, to work this, this case, you know, and, and we can't put a statement out there right off the bat because we still need to interview witnesses and, and suspects and, and the officer and and everything else involved, look at the physical evidence. Um, it's not CSI. Yeah. You know? um, so it's not a TV show. So a lot of people are so convinced that, well, there's you know, no social media focus. They're expecting that response right yes. away. Yeah. Everything is right now. I need, mm -hmm. I need an answer right now. What happened? And, it, and it's not realistic. Um, you know, for us to be fair to everybody involved in this situation, we have to give time for an investigation to happen. So there's certain things that we know we can release right off the bat if we know our fact, and our office relies on fact. You know, sometimes we have a fact that we can release an hour within the investigation. Sometimes we don't have that right off the bat. So I think our local media has done a really good job of, of, of really understanding that and understanding our perspective when it comes to these really critical incidents that we deal with. Do, do you yourself do like the social media because I know like St. Louis County Police Department has a Twitter page and right. a lot of people get their information that way mm -hmm. um, and that might be a good segue into to our active shooter conversation like yeah. do you who's involved in that um, I assume it's someone within the department um, and I don't know if it's it's you tweeting on your phone or no. something like that sometimes but. it is uh, very rarely though we have a we have a social media coordinator she's a civilian um, so she's not a commissioned officer um, she actually has an extensive background in, in media. Mm -hmm. So she came from Fox 2. Her name was Vera Culley. I'm sure a lot of people, if, if you watched the, the morning show in the previous years, she was part of that and kind of mm -hmm. behind the scenes for Fox 2. She was there for 12 years. Um, she came on board in the same time I did in the office in 2014. So that social media thing, Ferguson, everyone kind of remembers, social media kind of ran that story. Right. And we had no social media presence as a department at that time. So our chief recognized that. Um, and really the previous chief, Tim Fitch, recognized it in about 2011 to 12 um, when he wanted to hire a position like that, seeing how social media was kind of taken off mm. and he just couldn't get the budget of hiring a full-time employee for social media platforms. Because back then, not really everyone got social media. They didn't know understand. Or how to properly use it That's for an exactly office right. like that. Yes, yep. So she brought in basically her experience. Um, so she pretty much runs those pages. Uh, there's another police officer in my office, Benjamin Granda. Um, so it's, it's us three in the public information office. We kind of share duties um, when it comes to social media and just media in general. It's awesome to have different backgrounds in our office mm -hmm. and experiences because 
we kind of talk about how we want to release something, when we want to release it, kind of a game plan, because really when it comes to law enforcement nowadays, it's the idea of controlling the message. We have to control the message because if not, it kind of gets out of hand with speculation or rumor. So we have to have a plan on how and when we're going to release that message and how, just how we're going to do it in general. So it's, it's a very interesting aspect of, of police work. And, and really, like I said, 2014 was kind of when that started happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before it was, you know. Do you think it hurt you not to have somebody yes. that was? Yeah. Without a presence on social media, it, it killed us. Yeah. Um, just because we couldn't deflect anything. Um, there was a rumor spreading without us really even having a voice in right. the conversation. Um, and I, but I, like I said, I think media also kind of learned a lesson with it too. You know, some social media things that you see just isn't true. Right. You know, social media is very tough to, to gauge because I can set up an account right now in the next five minutes that's a fake name and I can put information out there and it could be totally false, but no one really knows that. Yeah. You know, so um, I can download a picture from the internet and say that's my profile picture. and Like Richard does. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, social media is tricky. Yeah. It really is. And, and sometimes it's very, very hard to deal with social media. But on the other hand, there's very good aspects of, of using social media, you mm-hmm. know, from a police department standpoint of putting out our messaging. But then also what people don't realize, too, is we monitor a lot of criminals yeah. on social media and solve a lot of cases on social media. Um, a lot of people don't realize that, but these criminals aren't that smart. <laughs> <laughs> they post a lot of silly things on their Facebook page or, the, or their Twitter or whatever it may be uh, that basically incriminates them at these scenes. Um, so so it's a good law enforcement tool as well that, that we use in this generation. I guess your ultimate goal is to prevent you know any type of active shooter, and yes. so you're using social media um, you know, as as potential way to pick up on maybe some, I guess, indications on, you know, whether or not someone might be violent or making, you know, threats to mm-hmm. businesses, schools. Um, is there anything else that you guys are doing, you know, to try to avoid these situations? Yes. So it's, it's very tough um, to monitor um, active shooter stuff. Uh, if you guys have paid attention to really any of the active shooter incidents, a lot of these people are connected to the place that they go back to mm-hmm. and do this incident. Um, so there's current employees, there's past employees, there's current students, there's past past students at these schools and businesses that actually go to these places. That's very tough to monitor and to figure out yeah. who's gonna do what at what time, right? If we had a crystal ball, it'd be a lot easier, let's put it that way. Um, but social media, um, two recent cases that we've had were both schools that we were alerted by a school district or a person that saw something on social media, a threat to shoot up a school, and that led to a criminal investigation of us taking that person into custody. And if you kind of look nationwide, it's happening. These these kids and these 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, they're making these threats on social media, and even though they may be, quote, joking, end quote, which right. it's not really a joke anymore, yeah. um, it's gonna become criminal, and they're gonna spend some time in jail because of it which needs to happen. You know, it, it needs to stress the fact that we, there's nothing to joke about in these matters. So social media for that is very useful because um, nowadays with, with these newer generations and younger generations, they feel like they need to express themselves on social media. So departments and nationally and locally are both doing a great job of, of trying to monitor that a little bit more, but we need help. You know, it's one of those things that 
people or, or school districts or even students or parents of students, if they see anything, to contact their local police department yeah. uh, right away, you know, just just not to play it cheap because we don't want that. We want them to contact us. We want to start an investigation right off the bat. We want to get that person into custody just in case they really are planning to do something. I assume you recommend that we go to local law enforcement first. Yes. And if it's a serious enough threat that you probably get the FBI involved if yeah, that's exactly necessary. right. That's do, you feel exactly like, right. do you feel like the tips you've ever gotten, though, are you could, it's, I mean, how does your office designate or determine clearly that, do you, do you take every tip seriously? I mean, do you have somebody who it's pretty clear from reading through whatever they've posted that they're not being serious, they're not making direct threats, they're just making a statement about how they feel about the situation and instead of, I'm mm-hmm. going to be the next active shooter, do you guys really take every tip that comes into you and investigate, I just find that yes. that would be extremely time consuming. Yeah, I mean, we, we really don't want to downplay anything right. um, because the the one that we downplay, maybe it something will happen. Um, so so officers are humans too, mm-hmm. and every, every officer has a family of some sort, let it be kids, parents that are teachers, um, anything connection to the schools or businesses, they, they want to investigate that to the fullest just to make sure nothing's gonna happen. And if that goes, to further enough to even contact that individual, possibly take them into custody and interview them right off the bat, um, that's not a that's not a lose lose for us. That's a hey, we're reaching out to the, to you because you put something on social media like this, and we want to make sure you're not going to do it. Okay. So if it leads to criminal charges, it leads to criminal charges. But at least we have an idea that that person is doing that, and we can make contact saying, hey, you got our attention now. What if you do have a disgruntled employee, which? You know, sometimes people may joke about they could come back and, you know, yeah. take everyone out. But then there is a real concern there, but there's no, there's been no official threat. How do employers handle that or how would you recommend they handle that? Yeah, I think it starts from the very beginning of the actual threat slash situation. So I think work history, I think HR will probably do an internal kind of investigation on whatever individual that this might be of, of their past history with the, uh, with the place of employment, what they've done there and what the actual threat was. Um, I think after that, since they deal with a lot of people through their type of office and their job, um, I think it's up to them to, to contact the police department. If they feel like there is a uh, sufficient threat or an official threat of some sort, uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with reaching out to your local police department. Uh, especially with, uh, we've always had keep the pieces. Um, that's always available for local law enforcement. Let's say someone's getting fired at a certain time and they're worried about that person reacting. Um, we've sat in parking lots outside. We've sat in lobbies where this is happening right outside the door. Um, that's our job. Our, mm-hmm. our job is to protect people and keep keep the peace around our community. So mm-hmm. let your businesses know and, and your company know that policemen are there for that reason. Mm-hmm. That's just a call for service. And we'd rather be there at that time than five minutes later when There's stuff is chaotic and an incident happened where we could have prevented that. Um, So just kind of keep that in mind of, HR should probably start with that internal investigation um, and they know what they're doing and they could probably read people just because that's that's been their job and that's their career path of really kind of understanding where people are going through. And a lot of it's, what's the personal side of things look like? Um, does this person have a lot to lose? You know, what's their family situation like? Are there, are there signs of different things with their family life going on as well as work life? And that's what's leaking over to the home life. So a lot of those HR would probably understand a lot better. 
But like I said, once they complete their investigation, they do feel an official threat is there, contact the police department. Um, I even go a step further. Let's say someone does get fired and they're worried about someone coming back. Change your locks, change your codes, change your passes, make sure you deactivate that person's badge to get into the back into right. the facility. Those types of measures that I think businesses probably already take uh, right now, that's important to remember. We've had cases where people badge right back into their old place of employment, even if they just quit on their own. That's probably not a good security system. Yeah. You know, somebody's got to maintain those records of active employees should be having these these badges that can enter into these facilities. So I guess got to trust your gut from you know a management HR standpoint and. A- I really think that's the best way to handle it. Like I said, I, I think HR management um, with that as a career path can really tell usually. And if the, if the hairs on your neck raise a little bit about certain someone, I don't think you hide that. I, yeah. I think you come out and, and you make contact with a Better local law enforcement. Sorry. Just to, and really it might be even just, hey, I just want to give you guys a heads up just in case you do receive a, a 911 call. We have had a uh, you know a threat taken to our business. That way, it, it gets the business on the geographical map for police officers in that beat. You know, some a phone call to a local department could just be the best case where that officer may have a little bit more extra patrols for the next couple of weeks around that parking lot around that business to make sure they they don't see anything suspicious or, or whatever it may be. So those are those are really good calls for policemen because that's that gives them something proactive to do. So that's kind of like, you know, maybe internal employee. What about, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of our insureds and, and, and just in our normal lives where there might be aggressive customers, you know, maybe someone feels like they were ripped off or, you know, yeah. taken advantage of or just, you know, disgruntled against, you know, that particular business or someone and like an employee, you know, an ex-boy, yeah, ex-boyfriend or something yeah. like that. A domestic uh, situation. Yeah. How, how should... Does anything change in terms of how, uh, you know, management or, you know, even anyone within that organization should respond versus maybe if it's, an, you know, a former employee? Yeah, the only thing I usually tell people, you kind of have to become a policeman at that point. Um, and by what I mean with that is you really have to become a person with different hats. So let's say uh, it's, it's one of the first ones you said of, of a random person coming in, a customer that's mad with whatever product or, or thinks that they got taken advantage of and it starts getting maybe possibly physical, but definitely verbal. Um, at that point, you, become, you should become on the defensive, okay? And it's more of you don't yell back, you, you listen to their problems while someone else calls the police. You try to calm them down, you know? So when a policeman goes into a scene, not all policemen are gonna go in there and start raising their voices and start yelling in a domestic incident because that doesn't solve anything. It's more of talking calmly, agreeing with the people, trying to get their side of the story, and really trying to calm them down that way. Um, But again, the key is someone else paying attention to that situation and calling the police department to get them en route. Now, let's say the the episode's cleaned up by then and the customer already left. You're not wasting the police officer's time. Um, That's the biggest thing that we want to get away from is we don't want to call the police because we could probably take care of it. I don't want to wait. They got so much going on. Guess what? Like I said, we'd much rather be on the way to something than five or ten minutes later when an assault happened and someone's on the loose or someone got really seriously hurt at the office or whatever it may be. So it's a, it's a, a lot of different hats. And every guy's, every person has a per, different personality, right? Mm-hmm. And every situation is different. 
So this could be verbal to assault, assaultive behavior. Um, it could just stay verbal and they just want to sit and say their two cents and get out of there. Whatever it may be, they have to judge and make a quick decision on it when it comes down to if they feel threatened enough to call the police. But I wouldn't mess with it. You know, I, I would have a police officer on the way when it comes down to these things because you didn't sign up for your job to do that. You didn't sign up for, to get yelled at. You didn't sign up to possibly get assaulted, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, usually that's a sign of somebody probably has a little bit of problems. Um, and police are usually trained a little bit better to deal with those types of problems and they have the equipment to keep people safe. Please tune in to part two, which you can find in our next link.